You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. David Keeve is joining us right now. He is the president of the Environmental Defense Fund, and uh, they had a pretty good day on the midterm elections uh, as far as candidates that they supported. So we wanted to have him on, one, because as, as I, relive, I relived a little bit earlier, we've, I've got some questions about some of the policies related to energy that this administration is involved in, and also the Inflation Reduction Act, ironically called the IRA, uh, is uh, going to be implemented beginning in january david keeve welcome to the program how are you i'm great how are you martha i'm doing great look i want to ask you this one question before we get to all the political stuff because it's always i'm old enough to remember the time magazine cover that said global cooling you know that we are that in the next 30 years it's going to be too cold to live anywhere on the planet okay i'm old enough to remember when people said uh, that, you know, there is only a 2% of fossil fuels left in the world. Um, and I'm, I'm also a big conservationist. I mean, I recycle and I reuse and we have a garden and we, and we do all the things. We compost. We do all those things. We're, we're strong Republicans, uh, but we're good conservationists. And I don't think those two things are, are mutually exclusive. Um, but if what they say about fossil fuels is true, and I believe that there's a lot of problems with fossil fuels. But if it's a finite resource, wouldn't people on the side of climate change want us to use as much as we could so that we'd be done with it and it would force the change to renewables? I, I don't. I, 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 that's an interesting perspective, Martha. It's not one that I have. Um, I think that the challenge is not so much that fossil fuels are a finite resource. It's that they are um, emitting greenhouse gases into the, the Earth's atmosphere, which is causing an intensifying of, of the climate crisis that we're all facing. As I listened, as I, I waited, as many of your listeners did, you heard that the um, lead headlines at the uh, top of the half hour. Um, we heard about uh, schools being closed in Houston, Texas because of a power outage. Um, that requires them to boil water because uh, the power wasn't working at a water treatment facility. Um, we also heard, and this sounded more like a freak thing than a, a failure of our infrastructure, an airplane hit some power lines in Gaithersburg, Maryland, causing a blackout of 85,000 folks there. And we heard about decline in, in fuel prices in Gainesville, Georgia, and, and around the country. All of these touch on the climate crisis and all of these touch on exactly the types of issues that we work on every single day at, at EDF and EDF Action. I don't mean to correct you, but I just wanted to clarify one quick thing. You gave me a little bit of a, a promotion. I'm not the president of the Environmental Defense Fund. Oh, that's what I'm it the says in the – that's EDF what it says. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm the, I'm the president of EDF Action, which is the advocacy oh, arm, okay. which allows well, us to what, talk about I things just, like politics and, and elections, which is the, the lawyers around here want me to say that. All right. Well, I'm glad you corrected that. I think it says – actually, what it says here is president of Environmental Defense Fund and then quotations EDF Action. So I guess the – the PR person thought they were the same. I don't know. Anyway, I appreciate that. Okay, well, 
Well, I'm delighted to be here regardless. Thank, thank you, you so much. Me. So, look, I do think that independents are more up for grabs than they ever were, and more people are willing to call themselves independents because they're frustrated with both parties. I'm a conservative analyst that has been a, been a high-profile conservative for 30 years, and all of my children vote libertarian, okay, because because they don't like what parties do. So I raised a household of people that thought for themselves and taught them how to critically think. And I think that's the biggest thing we're missing right now is that people do not know how to sit down and have a conversation with other people that they disagree with. And I do that all the time. And, you know, my kids, I used to go out and they'd say, are you going to start talking to strangers again? I said, yeah, that's what I do. I talk to people everywhere I go. So tell us a little bit about what you all do, but also your thoughts on the midterm elections, because, you know, it wasn't a three touchdown win. We like to talk about football here, but Republicans did win back the House. So what we have now is divided government, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, look, EDF Action did have, as you mentioned in your introduction, EDF Action did have a good night um, a couple of weeks ago on on November 8th. The overwhelming majority of the candidates who we chose to back won their election, and, and in most cases it was won their re-election. It was much more, we supported far more Democrats than we did Republicans, um, because those are the folks who took the the votes and, and took action on the key issues that we um are working on and support. That having been said, EDF Action is a proudly bipartisan organization. We've got Democrats, Republicans, and independents who are part of our board, who are are my bosses. Um, I get along with each and every single one of them, and what I've shared with each of them, and I'll share with you and your listeners, is that we sincerely hope that we can get to a place sooner rather than later where you don't know what our our political bent is in, in terms of support for Democrats or Republicans because we're supporting both equally because both are equally good on on climate change. And as you mentioned more articulately than I could, um, conservation is a conservative value and one that many conservatives that I know and like live by and and adhere to and and practice and and hold up for others to emulate as well. So. We're delighted to be working on on the climate crisis. We're pleased that we had a pretty good night um, a couple of weeks ago and that a lot of the candidates that we supported won. The majority of those candidates were Democrats, but we hope that we can get to a place sooner rather than later where um, we are supporting Democrats and Republicans in equal measure because they're both equally leaned in on on the climate crisis. See, and Um, and where you and I... where you and I may differ is that I think that there isn't a lot that government can do to actually address this. I think it's got to come from the private sector. And what we saw when when President Trump pulled out of the Paris Accords is that even though he was not in the Paris Accords, that greenhouse gases and carbon emissions went down in the United States over this period of time. And that happened because consumers demanded from the companies they were dealing with better action in that area and you saw mega companies all across this country in the world to some degree um, make changes in how they did things uh, that that was demanded by the consumers and that I think that ultimately governments can lead and they can give frameworks but the real work has to be done at at the day-to-day level it's not going to happen because, you know, the, the, there's an old saying out there, you know, Congress can't even pass a budget. How can they control the climate? How can they help control the climate? 
I think that people need to do the work they need to do and then count, give people good guidelines to be able to do the work they need to do. This might surprise you, Martha, but I don't disagree with that at all. And one of the reasons why I'm so optimistic about the changes that we're making via the Inflation Reduction Act is the strong support that those changes have from the private sector. One of the things that we saw in the transportation sector is that all three of the big three automakers in this country, um, General Motors, Ford, and what used to be called Chrysler, all came out and said, yeah, these tax credits and these tax incentives that, that, that uh, Congress just passed and the president signed that are going to make it easier and more affordable for people to get into an electric vehicle, those are exactly the types of policy supports that we need in order to enable private sector action to move faster and, and better. We talk a lot about electric vehicles because it's something that's easy to kind of get your head around and easy for me to understand and easy for me to talk about. The changes that are happening in the power sector are perhaps more transformative than the changes that are going to happen in, in the transportation sector. And it was important that uh, the trade group that represents the privately owned utilities in this country, called, it's called the Edison Electric Institute, came out strongly and supported the tax credits within the Inflation Reduction Act. And, and, and they shared, and, and independent analysis shared, that those tax credits and changes are likely to result in a $500 a year decrease in the annual energy bills that each family pays in, in this country. You know, and, and, um, I hear, and so that, that's and, not nothing. No, I don't. But And I hear you, David. I really do. But my biggest concern is the fiscal irresponsibility of both the Senate and the House. The Senate should not be the person that's that's the starter of where the budget goes. That's not what the Constitution calls for. And the House has abdicated their responsibility for doing a budget the way they should over the last, I mean, it's not just Democrats, it's Republicans too. We've only passed a budget on time twice in the last 44 years. And to me, if we can't do that, then we have no business allocating money for all this other stuff because what we've done is we've created situations where departments don't know what their budgets are from year to year departments don't get the money they don't know what their money's going to be in a particular department until it's about you know until it's a month before they're going to have to use it and that the way we are just so and i know that my point of view is not a popular one that gets people elected i get it Okay, but it's ultimately we're going to have to pay the piper on this. And it's because we cannot keep running a government when we are doing continuing resolutions um, year after year after year. Again, you might be surprised by this, Martha, but I could not agree with you more. Uh, I, I think that what we need in Washington are people who have the exact attitude that I've heard you talk about, which is, I'm not going to agree with everybody on everything. I'm going to certainly bring my own perspective to the table, but I'm committed to hearing other people's points of view and talking to them and to finding ways to be a constructive problem solver and to, to solve the problems that we're facing. Frankly, I think it's disgraceful that we can't pass a budget on time, but I'm, I, I, I would argue with the contention that because we can't get our act together in passing a budget, that Congress shouldn't do anything else. Uh, and what I'm thrilled about within the Inflation Reduction Act is the level of uh, of thinking that went into it in terms of passing smart, targeted tax credits that will benefit the American people and, and allow them to help with this ch the transition that we're making to clean energy 
while also reducing the costs that they have to bear and they have to pay, including for the first time ever passing a, uh, a tax credit for a used electric vehicle, because we're seeing the second and third generations of electric vehicles coming on markets. And not everybody out there can afford a new car. Amen to that. Um, hey, David, pre- president of EDF Action, yes, I'd love to talk to you again. It'll be great to, to do that. And let's get the the Inflation Reduction Act implemented for a few months, and let's get back together again and see what they actually do. I would love that, and I really appreciate your having me on this morning. And I'm, I'd be excited to talk about it because I do think it's going to bring down costs for every single American, including every single one who's, who's listening in North Georgia this morning. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. It is the Martha Zoller Show, and uh, joining me right now is Dove Wilker, uh, from the American Jewish Committee uh, in Atlanta. And, Dove, you and I have talked a number of times um, about this issue, unfortunately, of anti-Semitism. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know who Nick Fuentes was either uh, until all of this blew up, but certainly a former president should know. And um, I, I don't hold politicians accountable for every person they have a picture made with because you don't know who people are when they come up and ask for your picture. But... They should know who's coming to their home. And the president, the former president, has a real problem with owning up to anything that he's done that's controversial. And it doesn't help in this climate right now uh, to kind of fan the flames of anti-Semitism. Two more. Um, Martha, thanks thanks so much for having me on to talk about this. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, uh, look, yeah, I... I I feel similarly about pictures taken, but, you know, hosting Nick Fuentes in your home, like, totally inappropriate, um, you know, we should know. He should know who he's meeting with. He should know, and he's the, it's not, you know, the president of the United, the former president of the United States is very different than, you know, somebody walking around on the streets, right? Like, there's a lot uh, more on every single one of their interactions. Um, And, you know, Nick Fuentes, uh, you know, I guess now it's somewhat of a good thing, like, people now much a lot more people know who he is, uh, but he is a rabid white supremacist anti-Semite. Like this is not one that you can even beat around the bush for his opinions. Like the guy is a, a just terrible anti-Semite, and nobody should be associated with him. Well, I mean, and we saw yesterday when the uh, person uh, changed their. Uh, plea in the uh, grocery store shooting, which this was a racism issue, but this guy just goes on about how he intentionally wanted to kill as many black people as he could. Uh, and it's it's just, and and I, I hate to blame everything on social media, and it's not. Anti-Semitism has been here long before social media. But social media, and if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix, you need to. It'll scare you to mm. death. But uh, mm. there is, you know, it fans the flames because it allows people with these out-of-the-box views, so far out-of-the-box views, to find other people that might agree with them. And yeah. it's dangerous because we, you know, look, I'm a Christian person. I I don't support any of this kind of behavior. And I have I admit that I have let some of these things go because I wasn't as knowledgeable about who the people mm-hmm. were. And I don't focus on looking for this all the time. Right. But this is so clear 
and we've got to stand up against it. And 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 really, for me, many times, anybody that's going to deny the Holocaust, they are mm. they should be discounted from not just American life, but from the mainstream yeah. at all, because we yeah. know it happened. And and to right. say it didn't happen discredits not only the 6 million Jews that were killed, the 10 million overall that were killed, but the 400,000 lives that were given by American soldiers no. to deal with that. Yeah, 100, 100%, Martha. You know, one of the really positive things to come out of this is that, you know, both Governor Kemp uh, and Attorney General Chris Carr were very immediate in their condemnation of this, uh, but newly elected uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Burt Jones made a similar statement. You know, he didn't know who Nick Fuentes was, but he denounced it. Um, you know, we unfortunately are in the midst of a continual rise of anti-Semitism. I mean, just uh, three weeks ago, there were three different anti-Semitic graffiti incidents in my neighborhood in Brookhaven. Right. So it's not. You know, this is not something that is. Um, so distant, uh, so distant away from Mar-a-Lago, right? Like there's anti-Semitic flyers being strewn on people's cars and on uh, yards in Carroll County and in Kennesaw and in Ackworth, uh, in Cartersville. Uh, you're seeing it from rhetoric on social media, which is a cesspool of of anti-Semitic language. Um, and you're seeing it across the political spectrum. You know, this incident, this most recent incident, the association also with with uh, Yee and Kanye is, you know, that's having a, a, a trickle-down effect, um, not just through social media, but through through traditional media. And there's a lot of, you know, my, my hope is that this will sort of be the last straw in paying attention to Kanye and his absurd views. Because if, if by the way, if he is associating, knowingly associating with a white supremacist, and then he brings a white supremacist with him somewhere to meet the former president. Like that, to me, should can should mean that he is no longer a part of the mainstream either. Well, and I think what's so so interesting about Kanye West, and I don't mean that in a positive way, is that he went from being the guy, if you remember, at the Katrina fundraiser that said George Bush intentionally wanted to kill black people with Katrina, mm. all the way yeah. to where he is today. And you know, I I think he's probably a a tortured artist with some mental health issues, okay? I think yeah. that probably as a human being, he has got some issues. But I don't want, but that doesn't justify what he did. I mean, you know, I don't ever invoke the name of Adolf Hitler, but Adolf Hitler was a creative, very smart person with some real issues about things that ended yeah. up, he ended up um, killing 10 million people uh, as, yeah. as 6 million Jews and 4 million others that uh, we don't, talk about much either so it's right. it's it's a crazy thing and we can't fan the flames of these kinds of things and as christians and as faithful jews and as faithful muslims and as people of faith across the board we've got to stand against this because the yeah. only thing that's going to beat back this darkness is the light of faith in my view that's the only mm. thing that's going to beat back this darkness yeah well, the, I will add, look, you said it yourself, right? Being educated about this is also very important, right? We have to make sure that we people are knowledgeable of what is anti-Semitism, when they see it, how to be able to call it out. I agree with you 100% that we need faith and we need to we, we need to use prayer. We need to use, you know, within our own religious institutions. Um, and we also need to be sure that we are, you know, knowledgeable about who some of these people are. So that way, 
you know, when you come across some of these folks that you distance yourself from, there's a, a known white supremacist that uh, has been a, ha, was attending a number of the political rallies and taking pictures with him, you know, with, with uh, Georgia politicians, right? The, the first time, uh, I think the man's name was Chester Gold. The first time he showed up, fine. The second time, like, you, you need to ignore it. Like, we need to use these opportunities to be educated. And about let me who just to... tell you a personal yeah. story about him. He's been known for a long time. He yeah. actually on left on my windshield back in the 90s uh, a horrific video of, um, it was on a disc of um, people, interracial couples being killed. Because oh my he God. thought oh my God. I was a race mixer, whatever. I said, oh. what is this, the 1950s? I was a race mixer. <laughs> so I know Ch- who Chester Doles is. He's been known for a long time. He did a a, a rally here in Gainesville uh, 20 years ago. And he had a big picture of me with an X through my face. And it, oh my showed, up, it showed up the, on the news. And my mother was very upset about it, as you would <laughs> expect. And I as said, no, expect. Mom, that is a badge of honor that somebody like that yeah. thinks that I'm a horrible person. And then I called the Hall County deputies, and they took care of him for a period of time. So... Yeah. Um, it it you know i'm very aware of this guy and everybody ought to be aware of this guy so yeah. what can number one people do and then i want to ask you a question about about um about dave chappelle i want to ask you a question yeah. about that but so, what can people so, do so so my my best recommendation is to visit ajc.org/translatehate it's a glossary of anti-semitic terms uh it's a way to be to be familiar familiarized with the language that that is being used against the Jewish people, um, that is the the the, the one stop shop. And the second thing is, the moment that you see something, you should say something. There, we see these signs everywhere. If you see something, say something. You know that is really important to combating and disrupting anti-Semitism. Is making sure that people are aware of it. So let your elected officials know. Let law enforcement know. Let your neighbor or friend know. Let somebody else know. Because if you just sit there with it and don't say anything, then nobody, then there's a greater likelihood that nobody will know. And we want to avoid that at all costs. So Dave Chappelle was on Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you got yeah. a chance to see it. Um, I did. You did. But um, he was addressing this issue. I was wondering what mm-hmm. you, th- you thought of that. You know, so there's three thoughts on this one, Martha, and I, and I really appreciate you asking me about it. Uh, there are those who said it was completely unacceptable anti-Semitism is on the rise and we should be avoiding it at all costs. Uh, there are those who said, you know what, like he's a comedian, he's an artist and you know, he was just making a joke and we shouldn't hold him accountable for, you know, for jokes because you know, it's he, that's what he does. He is a provocative comedian. I, I fall somewhere in between, you know, I think for the most part, like it is comedy it is art. Uh, but there were a few problematic, you know, things that I wish that he wouldn't have done. One was around, you know, claiming that the Jews blamed anti-Semitism on black Americans. That, yes. You know, that's just false and divisive. Yes. Um, you know, the second one was about jokes about Jewish control. Um, you know, it's just not that simple. Uh, and that is very problematic as well. Uh, and then the third one is that, you know, look, the as we already discussed, right? Like the impact of social media should not be taken lightly. 
you know, you, you mentioned the social dilemma. We've talked about the influence that it has uh, on on spreading these messages, right? Like, the, there is a lot more for us to be worried about when it comes to social media than uh, than there ever was before. And, you know, the proliferation of, of hate speech is is really out there. And so we should be avoiding those. So I, you know, I, I, I tried to laugh because I do believe he's a comedian. You know, some things are funny, some things aren't funny. Um, but to me, it was really sort of somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. And I would say to yeah. folks as we say goodbye um, is that if you haven't been to the Holocaust Museum, you should go. Mm. Uh, yeah. It is it is something I know you feel like the Holocaust is so far away and it could never right. happen again and all that kind of stuff. But we've had several genocides since then, okay, of yep. different groups of people. And you should go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. You should start. It's about a four-hour trek, and it's yeah. it's difficult. Okay, I will tell you, it's difficult. It it changed me as a person. I thought I knew the mm. history, you know, but I even knew, you know what I'm saying. But do right. it. You should do it because, and I'm saying this to my audience, if you get a chance to do it, you should do it because it will it will explain things in a way that you can understand it. And yeah. it is, it'll show you how easily it happened. Well, Mar- Martha, you know, I'd say I'd, I'd make, I'd suggest one a little bit closer. Uh, there's the Bremen uh, Jewish Museum uh, in Midtown Atlanta. Uh, and I think that, you know, visiting the Jewish Museum in Midtown Atlanta, I think will get, share a lot of insight into the history of uh, the Jewish community in the, state, in, in the city of Atlanta, in the state of Georgia. Uh, there's also a Holocaust uh, exhibit there. There's a number of survivors who were docents of the museum. So, you know, I, if you can't make it to D.C., not everybody can get there. Um, you know, I would definitely, uh, you know, suggest going to going down to Midtown and, and checking it out. That is a great suggestion. Keep it closer to home if you can. Dove Wilker, yep. thank you so much for being with me today. Always. Thank you for the invitation, Martha. Have a great day. It's local radio, and that's why you're listening. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Senator Rick Scott is joining me right now, and Rick Scott is one of my favorite people in politics because he tells the truth, he gets involved, and he offers solutions. Rick Scott, welcome back to the program. Martha, the border's worse than you think. Think about this. You come across the border, they ask you where you want to go. Now, this is not the rank-and-file Border Patrol agents. They want to do the right thing. But what they're told is your job is to get people around the country as fast as you can. So guess what Guess what you can do now? You come across the border, you get an ICE arrest warrant. An hour later, you can go get on a commercial flight without any ID. If you come across the border with no ID, because people throw their IDs away before they come across the border because they, they don't want Americans to know who they are. All right, so if you're a good person, do you throw your ID away? No. If you have a criminal background, if you might be a terrorist, you throw your ID away. You come across, we give you a nice arrest warrant. Hour later, you're on a commercial flight with all the rest of us. Does it make you feel good? No, absolutely not. And now you got air marshals who are going to be moved to the border, so we're now down to 1% of American commercial flights having an air marshal on it. That doesn't make me feel safe either. Right. So why do we have air marshals? To make sure our planes are safe. That's why we have, they're called air marshals, right? So they, and they, work, they work hard, but now because, you know, Joe Biden, for whatever reason, no one can explain, why does he want an open border? Mayorkas comes in and lies to all of us that the border's secure. Um, so, I mean, Mayorkas ought to resign. 
because he's come and lied and lied and lied to us. All he wants to do is accelerate the number of people to get away from the border all around this country. And so he's sending them all over this country. And there's wonderful people that are coming in this country. They want to live the dream. But there's also criminals. There's also fentanyl. There's also terrorists that are coming across our border, and he doesn't care. I mean, think about it. What, 70,000 people died of fentanyl overdose? Made in China. Brought, they brought here by the cartel. They're killing American kids, and Mayorkas doesn't care. Joe Biden does not care. The crime that's coming in this country, Biden does not care. And none of the Democrats do, because they all vote to keep it open. So, Senator Scott, we've got major issues that we're going to have to deal with. I have a young lady that I interned uh, that interned with me about 10 years ago that got her uh, graduate, undergraduate degree here in the United States. She's from Rwanda. Half of her family was killed in the genocide. Her sister is here in Atlanta. And the, you know, and the immigration office just told her that her case was not strong enough to come into the United States on a visa, even though she was educated here. It's, it's, you know, the legal side of it. We're spending so much time on the border that we're not well, fixing well, the problems it, on the legal back side. To work yet. Yep. Martha, and then going back to work. Yeah, see, they come, these people come and testify. I said, are you back in the office? No. I said, are people working for you back in the office? No. I mean, we have to go back to work, right? But, but the people that work in the federal government, so many of them have not even ever gone back to work. And then you wonder why this stuff doesn't work. And then why don't we have a legal immigration system that the people want to come and live our dream, that want to live, that believe in, in our Judeo-Christian values, right? Why don't we want more? If we're going to have immigration, right, let's do that. These people that we have no idea what their background is, like, like the, in, in Afghanistan, we brought 79,000 people here from Afghanistan. Did we vet them? No. 79,000 were brought here only because they were at the airport. 79,000. 79,000 people, we didn't vet them. We gave them American IDs. We have no idea where they are. You can't make this stuff up, Martha. I mean, what, what the Biden administration is doing, that's why Herschel Walker winning is so important. We have got to get as many Republican senators as we can. And by the way, a 50-50 Senate is totally different than a 51-49 Senate because in all the committees will have exact same number of Republicans as Democrats, which means no legislation can pass out of a committee without at least one Republican voting for it. No nominees can come out of committee with at least one Republican voting for them. So this is a big deal that we that Herschel Walker wins. Senator Scott, let me ask you a question. I mean, you know, I've, I've wondered this. Is you know, it seems like okay, we're saying since Biden has been in, all these major problems are happening, right? What was it like prior to, and why did we think we needed to change it? What was happening that we said, okay, we need to go in and open up the border, or do whatever? I don't know if anybody said open the border. But. You know, I don't know why they're doing it. Like, I, here's what I don't get. I, I've been up here for four years, and the way the Democrats vote and the way the Biden administration has operated, it makes no sense to me. I think about a typical family is like all of our families. You know, what do we want? We want a good job. We can't have high inflation. We want kids good, good, good education. We want to live in a safe community. Where the Democrats are is they, the spending is just going out of. I mean, they can't stop spending. So that's causing inflation. That's one. Number two is they don't. They've said the Democrats have said they don't want parent, parental involvement in schools. Whose kids are these? There are kids, and then they they want to defund the police. I mean, you think who thinks like this? Then you look at the the radical the radical people that Biden is nominating. You think, couldn't you find somebody that's competent to nominate? Why do you have to? Why do you have to nominate these people that have this 
far left background that all they want to be is social warriors rather than the executive branch is just to go do their job, run an agency. It's not to social re-engineer our country. I, look, I, I love my kids and my grandkids. I'll figure it out. I don't need government to tell me how to raise my kids and, and how to have an influence on my grandkids. So, Rick, tell folks, uh, we have gotten a lot of calls in the last few days from people that are that I know that are Republicans and they're unsure about uh, Herschel Walker. They're unsure about what they should do. What do you say? Because I know you travel around the country. You've heard these folks, too. What do you say to them to get them out? First off, first off, just just think about this. The value of having a 50 50 Senate. By itself means you have to vote for Herschel. But then just look at the look at the difference between Herschel and Warning. In Herschel's case, I mean, here's a guy that is dedicated to success, right? Heisman Trophy winner, great football player. That's not that doesn't come just from natural ability. You have to bust your butt. This Herschel's a hard worker. He's built a successful, a very successful business. Employs a lot of people. All right. That didn't go from just somebody said, oh, let me just give you, you know, people build businesses have to work your tail off. So he's a successful business guy. He knows how to balance a budget. He's had to do it in his business and his personal life. Now look at warning. Here's a guy that says he's a pastor and runs a church that, you know, he's anti, anti-Semitic, right? He trashes whites. He, he goes in, he has, they have an apartment complex that they kick people out for barely being behind in the rent. I mean, is that a Christian pastor way of running things? No. I mean, but he acts like he is. He's actually like a saint. And so if you look at the, if you look at your choices, I think it's, a, it's an easy choice. One, it's important to have a 50, 50 sentence. Two, Herschel is somebody that like every, he's had, he, he's been very clear of his challenges and how he's dealt with them. He's open and honest about it. Warnick's wife said he's an actor. He's an actor. That's all he is. We need to stop. We need to, we need to really look at people's background. Why I tell people, if you were going to pick which of those two to turn your money over to, it's an easy choice. Herschel knows how to manage a business. Warnick treats people poorly. He's, you know, he's, and by the way, he's voted with Biden and Schumer 100% of the time. He's voted against our military. He can vote against border security for every spending bill. So you look at his track record. I mean, so it's an easy choice. That's why I tell people, I mean, sometimes you think, why is this, why would this choice be difficult for people when you look at the stakes? If you want lower inflation, you got to vote for Herschel. If you want parental involvement in schools, you vote for Herschel. If you want lower crime, you vote for Herschel. If you want a strong, lethal military rather than a woke military, you vote for Herschel. So if you think about the things that are important to people, you vote for Herschel. Senator Rick Scott, thanks so much for being with us today. And um, we're going to get everybody out to vote by Tuesday. Get out and vote for Herschel. Go to teamherschel.com to to help him any way you can. Putting the talk in news talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Rod Huey is here with me right now, and joining me on the phone is Cody Hall. Cody Hall has been uh, a senior advisor to Brian Kemp, Georgia. He's been the communications director, and now he has launched his own uh, business, Full Focus Communications. And Cody, welcome and congratulations. Hey, Martha. Thanks for having me. We're excited. It's a it's a busy time, but but it's a good time. So. It's a good time, and you've you know you've given up your life for about. 
you know, six years, right? <laughs> it's um, I, I've been with the governor for a little over four years now, um, and I always say that it's like doing communications in dog years, um, but it's been fun. It's absolutely been fun. So listen, give us your take on kind of where we are right now. We're in the middle of early voting, got a couple more days left. Um, and then we've also got, you know, this this runoff, but we've got a change in the landscape completely. Tell us about it. Yeah, I think a couple of things have gone kind of unnoticed or unmentioned in a lot of the coverage of this runoff. Um, one, I think, is the money advantage. You know, if you look at in the run up to November 8th, Warnock and the outside groups were able to outspend Herschel Walker four to one. Um, but in the runoff, the latest numbers show that they've only been able to outspend them two to one. So even when he was outspent four to one, Herschel only came in second by uh, 35,000 votes. Um, so I don't think that that margin is insurmountable for him. And the second thing is, if you look at that margin of 35,000 votes on November 8th, if you actually go two years back um, and look at the general election race between John Ossoff and then Senator David Perdue, Ossoff actually came in second by about 85,000 votes, but we all know that he actually ended up winning that runoff. So Herschel has about half the margin to make up that John Ossoff was able to two years ago. So I think everyone should be optimistic and everyone should get out to vote to make sure that Herschel can get over that finish line. I'm getting um, a mixed bag of phone calls on this race where, and, and as you know, my listening area is predominantly Republican, but even among people that I know are Republican, there are people that have pause. Um, and they're not sure what they want to do or if they want to get back out. Now, of course, runoff turnout is never as big as as the general election turnout. But what would you say to those people that are good Republicans? They voted for Brian Kemp. They voted for the constitutional ticket. But they're they're having a little pause about what to do in the runoff. Sure. And I, I would tell them what the governor's been saying. I mean, um, the governor was on a call last night where um, he was talking about how in a 50-50 Senate, the Democrats do not have control over the committees. So your judicial nominees, your legislation, it can't get out of the committee in the Senate without Republican support. When you go to a 51-49 Senate, that completely changes. Democrats are able to control the committees, move their judicial nominees, move their legislation through the committee process to the floor where then Vice President Harris can be the tie-breaking vote. So I think that's what is at stake here, is do you want Democrats to be able to move their judicial nominees, their legislation through the committee process, or do you want Republicans to have some power at the committee level to stop that? Because, look, I've been asking folks, do you agree with Joe Biden 96% of the time? Because Raphael Warnock does. And if you don't, then you need to send somebody else to Washington. You need to be doing communications for Herschel Walker. (laughs) (laughs) So as we go forward, I mean, obviously you're going out on your own um, and uh, the governor is going to do has is set up to have a great second term just because of how well George is doing all the great work he did in the first term. But he recently started a federal PAC and that of course, the Wall Street Journal said he should run for president. The other people are talking about him running for Senate in four years. Um, what's your sense of that? Well, look, I think the governor is in a unique position because of how hard him and, and the family have worked over the last four years, that they have done something that not a lot of folks have been able 
to do. In fact, I think he's the only one that um, has won a primary with the opposition that um, he had in such an overwhelming fashion. And then to have a rematch against a, a, a national figure that was able to raise $130 million and win by eight points, um, he's, he's done something very unique. And I think that what he has done is has provided a blueprint for Republicans across the country that when you stay focused on the things that people care about, they will reward you at the ballot box. Now, what that actually means for him in the future and what that means for the family in the future, that's for, for them to decide. Um, look, I think that, you know, creating a federal PAC also allows the governor to help federal candidates here in Georgia. So if you're running for Congress in the Senate races to come, um, he can help out candidates um, in the 2024 cycle. Whoever the nominee is on the Republican side, he can help that person in Georgia through that pack. So that's the that's the main reason for doing it. Um, and like I said, whatever they want to do in the future, that'll be up to them in the coming months and, and years ahead. I'm glad you mentioned you've mentioned now twice the family, and that's really the other part of Brian Kemp. The most important part of Brian Kemp is that they have been a unified force. He, his wife, his daughters have been a unified force throughout this whole process from when you and I worked together on the first campaign all the way through to today. Yes, ma'am. I mean, that I kind of think their approach to politics is their secret sauce. It's not just the governor. Um, it's, it's Marty, it's Jarrett, Lucy, Amy Porter, and the whole family, the extended family. I mean, there were times on the bus tour where they had the governor's mom out, um, the governor's sister out. Um, so they're, a unit, and I think that that makes them more effective on the campaign trail because you not only see a a public figure, or some people would say a politician, but you also see a small business owner, you see a husband, you see a dad, you see an entire family. That he's not just doing this because he likes to see his name on the door; he's doing this because he wants our state to succeed going forward. Absolutely, Cody Hall. We appreciate you being with us today. If people want to know more about what you're going to do in the future, how can they do that? Oh, man, they can follow me on Twitter at Cody Hall GA, or you can find us at, at fullfocuscommunications.com. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Martha. To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com, and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.